Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Okay, so as soon as you started rolling, uh-huh. like, I, I started to let out this big yawn. I'm sorry. <laughs> How you doing, Trey? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be here. I promise. Oh, I'm excited <laughs> to be doing? here, too. Man, it's so funny because so much of us before the welcome back to another episode is like, you ready? Are we ready? Should we do this? And then it's so funny that we always we always have a goof up going in. <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's you know what? Okay, uh, I'm gonna bring back an old phrase. As of this recording, uh huh, it is cold, man. Yeah. It's cold outside, and it's it, without giving too much away. It's a lot colder where you are right now, but it is coming in my direction. And man, I'm not prepared for it because like it's only a fraction of what it's gonna be in the next couple of days. And I, it was miserable today for me. Oh my gosh! So it was so. I have been recording in my studio closet <laughs> for the past couple of episodes. Uh-huh. And I don't know why I started doing this, but I'm wearing like my beanie. But this time <laughs> I'm wearing it because like it's cold. Even mm-hmm. in the house, like it's I mean, it's like 20 something degrees outside. I uh-huh. think the high is going to be 15. I think I was telling you this on uh, recording on Friday, so I think Monday. Uh-huh. You know, snow and high of 15, they're one of these nights, it's going to be a low of one degree. Wow. I know. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm actually going to cuddle the dog. Like, I'm not like a fan of the dog, but I will cuddle the dog to stay warm. You're not a fan of the official podcast mascot? You know what? You say that as we were talking and warming, and you know, Uh I'm going to read these texts I got from my wife. Tell your pod friends that it's too bloody cold and that Francis is in puppy jail. <laughs> the mascot is in puppy jail. So he must have like ran off with like her house shoe or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny. Well, you know, we're starting to get into this section of the podcast that I'm enjoying because it, it means there is feedback, but also it also means we got some stuff wrong. So we're in a correction section of the podcast where to set the scene last week, we were discussing about whether or not Captain Marvel's name has been dropped in the MCU before. And in the moment, neither one of us could recall it. But thanks to Instagram user Ben M and of course, Tara from There Was an Idea uh, on Twitter, they let us know uh, Captain Marvel's name was dropped in Far From Home. Specifically in that scene where Peter was asking for all the other people that could take care of the elementals instead of him having to do it himself. Right. And then Fury gives the line, don't invoke her name. Yeah. So yeah. Temporary slip, but thanks to both of them for, uh, you know, keeping us updated. Absolutely. Love having, you know, we say that. That's what the internet's for, is to correct us. <laughs> Best way to drive engagement. <laughs> yeah, get it wrong. which speaking of the next correction i'm so surprised nobody corrected this because i have been doing this i think for two episodes straights now i know i have yeah it's director hayward not director haywood which i've been saying even in my notes and what i found funny is i was in our discord and i was uh talking to one of uh the users there not teddy and we were going back and forth earlier this week and they kept saying hayward and i kept saying haywood and even then it was still lost on me (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I I don't I think I was either in the Discord or it was a tweet. It was somewhere online where you know they were saying Hayward, and I was just like, "Are they sure about that?" And <laughs> and and of course they were, and I was yeah. wrong. So. It really shows our hubris, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And finally, one of the last corrections I want to make is it's not something that we got wrong so much as it's something that I want to make sure that we are giving proper credit to, because so often you and I, when we're joking, um, we use Kevin Feige as a shorthand, you know, being the mastermind behind everything. Behind everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which to some degree, there, there is truth to that. But I don't want it to be so much that it overshadows that we haven't been giving enough credit to uh, Jack Schaefer, the show creator, and Matt oh, Shackman, yeah. the director of all the episodes of WandaVision so far. Yeah, they have done, I mean, like you said, we, shorthand-wise, we right. go into Kevin Feige, but the show that they have put together for the audience, for us, you know, and, and I get it's not for us. There's there's an element of, like, they're artists, they're creators, it's for them, us being able to consume it, us, the viewers. Man, they are taking us for a wild ride, and it's fun. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to what them and their creative teams have done, that it really feels like there is, I I wouldn't say a large portion, but maybe a noticeable enough portion of people who this is their first entry into the MCU. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a testament to how well this show is doing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't done like a call to action like this before. I'm curious if you are watching WandaVision for the first time as your entry into the MCU, let us know. I'd be really curious to know if anybody's experiencing it that way. This is, this is an, it would be a really interesting entry point. Like you've never seen any of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I do have a friend at work, not a new friend. We've been friends, uh, but I haven't talked about this one on the podcast yet. And Wednesday, I was, we were talking about, WandaVision and for him he was like after after episode four so this was this past Wednesday so episode five had come out but he'd only seen through four uh-huh and he's like I'm hooked I, I'm in I'm, I'm loving this but it was interesting because his thought going into WandaVision was you know they wrapped up with Endgame they had a nice end to it what else could they do uh-huh kind of mentality and i and i'm sure that he wasn't the only one that had that after you end things with game. um but he was like no they got me yep. i am i'm all in mm-hmm. yeah i i because in my sunday post on instagram i mentioned that because technically far from home is the end of phase three um and i wrote that it felt like far from home was proof that there was still gas left in the tank wandavision is proof that we have refilled for another saga Oh yeah. Yeah, that is a I I like that analogy. Uh-huh. That is really good. Yeah. Well, uh like I said, uh that was our corrections. We're going to go ahead and move into our pre-spoiler thoughts. So clearly if you download the episode, you know that we are talking about WandaVision season 1, episode 6, all new Halloween spooktacular. So, uh, we're going to give some pre-spoiler thoughts and then after this audio cue, we will go into all spoilers. So before we begin, uh, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts about this episode? I'm really impressed with how they managed the pacing really well. That was uh-huh. something I think we were both expecting them to struggle with. I don't think mm-hmm. they've struggled with it at all. 
uh, the bouncing back and forth between the hex and sword in episode five. You know, I don't feel like this is spoiler for the free spoiler area. Yeah. Continuing that, they have really made that feel seamless. And and that I'm really was pleasantly surprised with. What about you? For me, this is no different praise than any of the other sitcom work that they've been doing. But I'm continuously amazed how they are able to nail the decade that they seem to be drawing inspirations from. And so... It's just, I guess, being in more of a contemporary decade, it was easier for me to just be impressed by what they're doing. And so right. I think that's what I came away with. Um, it's no different than any of the other episodes, but it just, I felt, I guess, more of a connection to it, being familiar with it. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. I think that's going to do it for our pre-spoiler thought. So uh, here comes the audio cue. And on the other side, we're going to be d- diving into spoilers. All right, we're back. So as you know, we've been breaking up the episode into the most important topics and kind of bouncing around from there. So the first important topic that we're going to start with is essentially Vision's mission. This episode sees Vision split from the main quote-unquote plot and do some investigating work on his own. And to start with, I think the thing that I came away with is... You know, when Vision enters in the scene, he's very apathetic and just kind of going through the motions. And he confronts Wanda by saying, you know, this was the only thing that was in my closet because she was complimenting what he was wearing. And he notices that that puts her off. And so immediately he switches into kind of like going with the flow again. And I like in that moment, you can kind of see him switching into, okay, I know I have to play along if I'm going to get any sort of independent work done. First, I like the acknowledgement of how ridiculous the comic accurate costume can be, <laughs> you know, just uh-huh. the, let me guess, you're a stoplight. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I loved, I loved all of that, but you're right. When he, when this is, well, there's no other clothes in my closet. So it carried on with that conflict we had from the previous episode, but also there, this empty closet, right? This weird sense of emptiness, you uh-huh. know, like like I don't have memories I can't remember prior to and and I and that's kind of one of the things like the whole show you have this sense of grief but but even like these little details of emptiness and loneliness for me I got this feeling vision is frustrated uh-huh and then when he sees to me it was like when he sees Wanda's reaction I don't know it was interesting. I'm I'm trying to put together why I think he started to play back, play along again, mm-hmm. right? It was like I'm not convinced. It was for the sake of not getting into an argument. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I I feel like it was more for the sake of he's trying to test her, right? Like it's like he's trying to get her to admit something she didn't admit the night before. Or the mm-hmm. episode before. And when he didn't get that reaction, that's when he went to play along. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting read. To, playing off that, I mean, one of my notes was much in that dynamic of Vision almost seemingly having a resignation to nothing mattering because Wanda has this plan for him and then switching up. I think that does give credit to Wanda being in control. Mm-hmm. And so to that idea of you saying that he was trying to get her to slip up, 
I think that connects to one of my notes in where I wrote down why didn't Wanda quote unquote reset everything to the point that Vision is forced to play along. And so if he is testing Wanda, maybe there is this feeling of like, does she know or not know that he hasn't been been reset? And so with this test, he is he can tell she's confused. So whatever plan he seemingly has can go forward because she is confused as to why he's not going along with the programming. Yeah, that's interesting, because for me, I took it as like Wanda wasn't controlling him, like intentionally so. Uh huh. Like she genuinely wants the two of them to be a happy married couple. Mm -hmm. And so she's allowing a certain degree of freedom. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you know, how would Vision be able to go wander around on this recon without the freedom to do so? Mm -hmm. And and so that's why it's it it's this to me this weird play of of okay I'm gonna try to get Wanda to slip up she doesn't I'm gonna play along now I'm gonna continue with the recon idea mm -hmm. so like in other words I don't know if I if I'm convinced that it was like a resetting well as much as always letting him be free well because I'm going specifically to last episode because I've been fully on this train that Wanda is. Not the antagonist, not in control, but um, your friend, Daniel, made a good point of if she's not in control, how is she able to bring the credits on to end the conversation last episode? And then they, right. they have that exchange about how, like, you can't control me. You can't just reset everything when we go to bed. So that's where I'm yeah. getting that feeling of everything hasn't been reset. And okay, with with. I guess the reason of why I feel like it works is because in the moment, Vision's almost able to improv this like storyline that was not part of the program because clearly Wanda's thrown off. And because he's able to create a believable storyline, um, you know, the being on the neighborhood watch to make sure that the trees aren't getting toilet papered or or whatever, he's able to slip through the defenses and be able to have even more agency than he ever gets to beforehand. Well, I think there's a second moment there where he almost gets wanted to slip up, right? Because when he, mm -hmm. he mentions about he's going to go do the neighborhood watch, Wanda starts in, but no, that's not what you're supposed to. Uh -huh. And he cuts her off and says, what? And then she changes gears to, well, this is the boy's first Halloween, which I found so weird because they're 10 at this point, right? Uh-huh. You know, and so so that was so weird to me. It's like this is the first Halloween. You have like ten year olds. But but yeah, so it's like it's like a second time where he's tries to get her to slip up, mm -hmm. and I feel like in that scene could have gone one or two ways. Uh, so I like the way they wrote that. It could have been Wanda was going to tell him he's getting his part wrong, which would confirm right, and that's that Wanda's controlling everything. And that's what Vision was trying to do. But it could also have been, you know, I mean, she had the line in the episode before. It's like, you're my husband. You're the fa you're their father. Isn't that enough? Kind of this guilt tripping. Why aren't we enough for you kind of thing? And and so that also, she could have went the, been going the way of, no, but you're the dad. Why are, are you going to not participate in Halloween with the kids? You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so like, so it was, it was just a really clever way of, of dialogue. Cause that, that dialogue could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. I think the, the, 
the easiest way for me to put a bow on everything in this opening scene is if I'm right and there is some motive for whatever's happening to need to split Wanda and Vision, I think it's safe to say it has been successfully done. And it's really sad to see them on different pages here. Right. So uh, moving along with Vision's whole mission, something that I started coming to question whenever I was doing my rewatches is, do you think S.W.O.R.D. can see Vision's side quest? Because clearly it's not part of Wanda's script. And everything up until this point has been packaged as a broadcast TV show. So if this is not part of Wanda's plan, what does S.W.O.R.D. see, if anything at all? Because this isn't the first time Vision's been outside the context of Wanda. But this is the first time he's been outside the context of Wanda and something she approves of. I'm going to say they did not see what he did. Mm-hmm. Only because, you know, with, with the later scenes with Dr. Lewis and they find out uh, Hayward. I'm going to go with my note because I feel vindicated. Hayward is using Vision for data collection. Uh-huh. I, I don't think we have the full picture of how he sees in there. Mm-mm. You know, but... But, but he's tracking vision. You know, we got that much out of the episode. I feel like, you know, and it's so weird. It reminds me when I worked at a TV station. Because like at a TV station, every room you walked into had a TV on and it had it on the station. We were broadcasting, right? At uh-huh. our station. The, the big thing, like you're constantly looking at it. You're just seeing like on air, you know, are we on the air? Little mistakes and just and you're constantly watching. And in that control room, Dr. Lewis was in, they had the, the, the show going. Uh-huh. And so in that way, because like they would have saw it on, on the television, you know, but she recognized it on the, the laptop. Yeah. Where's, where's vision going mm-hmm. when they saw it, it was on the big table interactive table thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't on the show. So that's why I don't think they saw what Vision did in his side quest. Right. The only reason why I continued on that thread of like, okay, is this being packaged? Is this something that is directed by the um, the, the Hex, I guess to say, is whenever Vision's on his side quest, it continues to be that full screen view. But whenever we go to the real world with anything sword-based, that's that widescreen aspect ratio. And I wish I would have had time to go double-check this, but in that confrontation with Wanda and Monica, I, in the hex, I feel like I remember we made a point about we went into the hex, but the widescreen stayed to show that the stakes were real. Yes. So I wonder what that means, if, if there's any significance to Vision's able to have this side quest outside the context of Wanda, but it's still within the reality of the hex. So let me ask you this. Would, would, cause you were convinced that there's some kind of orchestrator. Yep. Aside from Wanda, that would mean vision would have to be allowed to do his little side quest with the permission of both Wanda and the orchestrator. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I feel like, for him to do that side quest, you know, and to interact with the people that are like, oh, man, what, what, what do we call them? Zombies? Kind of shorted captives. out, maybe. Captive. Uh-huh. Yeah, captives is a good one. 
But you know, like like they're they're not moving. Right. Gosh, from what well, we know now, to see the kids not moving and that uh-huh. they're real people, like it's all that's confirmed and it's horrifying. That was hard that scene was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I believe you're mentioning specifically the one where the woman's hanging up the the, the decoration and she's stuck on the loop and then she just a single no. No, 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 no. I'm, I mean that, yeah, there's that, but I'm talking about like later when he comes to that cul-de-sac uh-huh. and you have all those kids and they're not moving. Oh, I got you. Yeah. And so like, we've seen the woman. And so you get this idea of like, she's stuck on this loop. You see the single tear. Uh-huh. We've seen what happens with Norm, you know, it's in his head. So we know all this is real people, it, it, you know, like, uh-huh. like it's, we've seen enough. It's been confirmed. And I'm like, oh, that's a 10 year old. That's a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. That's and that was just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, so the single tear of the adult was heartbreaking too, but the kids really like made me feel bad. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's all it's all grouped together in that horrifying reality of the the stakes that these real life people are dealing with being trapped inside this hex. So I, I want to play a little bit more with what you're saying of in order for Vision side quest to be able to work, not only does he have to trick Wanda or and trick the orchestrator. To set the thing overall, I, if I've been very headstrong in this camp of it's not Wanda, I'm going to be completely honest. Even last week, I knew my defense was built on a pile of sand. And even after this episode, <laughs> it's harder to even be in that camp. I, I flat out don't know. It, this episode, for as much as it gives me into hoping that it's not Wanda, it gives me into believing it is Wanda. You know what? This episode has me rethinking my stance on Mephisto, though. So. Yeah, um, it's hard. But to to bring it back down, you talk about, you know, how could this work? How about this? If the reality is omnipresent enough to be able to codify extraneous objects coming into the reality, like the drone, Monica, like things that weren't accounted for, how is the reality not omnipresent enough to function towards the outskirts of the bubble? Right. So. Why is it that we're seeing these people trapped in a loop unless there is a motive towards continuing that, that fear of, for vision to know something's not right and to, to split them even further apart? That's my only line of defense. Again, I recognize my pile of sand is slipping away, but that's the read that I get is that I'll go ahead and say it because there is, it'll be a lot clearer to talk about when we get to the Wanda section of this podcast. There, it's gaslighting in my my read. It feels like they being intentionally led to to be like, "Hey, nothing's wrong," and then giving them just enough to feel like something is wrong. And so that's that's what I feel with Vision going out towards the outskirts of the the hex. Yeah. See. Okay. So for me, I feel like Wanda's in control, and at the end of episode five, when she's Kind of, oh, so you mean I'm controlling all these people that go to their dentist appointments and, mm-hmm. and she and she named all these routine kind of things. And I think this shows us that she doesn't have to do that because if they're not within need of the show, they're on pause. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way I took it. It's not so much as... Do they, but well, well, let's put it this way. So like when, when you go back to like the first couple of episodes or any time that he's at work, right. Mm-hmm. And 
Wanda would know Vision's at work, so those people need to not be on pause. Right. And then Wanda believes Vision is out with Neighborhood Watch. Right. So Herb, Herb shows up. He's not on pause. And then she finds out, oh, Vision lied. So he's free to go where he wants, and she doesn't know to unpause those people. Mm-hmm. Because Herb hasn't showed up, you know, since the the warning. Yeah. Or the attempted warning, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. My, my pile of sand is getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the days of our lives, the sand of time, or maybe I flipped those. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen Dave's of our lives and I've seen a lot of days of our lives. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I have no idea what that is. It's a soap opera. Seen? The only soap opera I think I have a functional knowledge of is general hospital. And that's because my mom and my grandma watched it a lot. Yeah. So my mom and our grandmother watched general hospital. So I remember watching that. Uh huh. My mom watched young and the restless. I remember watching that. Days of Our Lives was an NBC one. And remember how I said I worked at a TV station? Uh-huh. That was on. And so I've seen a number of those episodes because <laughs> that was on every day in every room of the TV station. <laughs> That's funny. So another one of the things that I wanted to talk about here in this Visions uh, mission section is... He has a pretty important confrontation with Agnes, specifically where after he's kind of done his reconnaissance, he's starting to see that everybody's on pause. As you said, uh, he flies up into the sky to get a view of, you know, the, the town and he finds a parked car just sitting at a stop sign and he flies down and finds Agnes in a trance. And, you know, this confrontation happens where he sees that Agnes is kind of responding faintly. And he lifts her veil to to her having that confrontation we saw in the trailer of, you know, am I dead? No. Uh, why? Because you are. So, hey, I found this very creepy. Yeah. Especially when she said dead, dead over and over again. Uh, the original trailer made it sound like, I mean, the laugh was there, but they cut out enough of it uh-huh. to where it felt like she was laughing at him you know for being uh-huh. dead and not knowing uh so i i like it was interesting how they played that but my biggest question i think that i came from here was was she trying to escape so like was it like was, was she trying to escape and she got too far away from wanda so she kind of shorted out because mm-hmm. she was right there at a crossroads at ellis avenue the street that she told the boys earlier don't go past that mm-hmm I mean, clearly in the episode, we figure out why not to go past it for the boys. But yeah, like, like, I'm just wondering, like, did she short out? Was she trying to escape? Especially because, uh, you know, Vision snaps her out of it, puts her back under the trance or whatever. But once he does that, she then drives off. But for some reason, she what, couldn't drive off before or is that she didn't want to? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't want to, meaning, like, I know this is the way out, you know, and I just can't force myself by. But now, after Vision snapped me out of it and put me back into the trance, I'm going to circle, I can now move and circle back. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I'm, I'm really curious of which way. I feel like it's got to be one of the two. I'm just curious of which way the show's going to take it. Yeah. On this idea of was Agnes trying to escape? I don't think so. Because when Vision snaps her out of the trance, she, they have that conversation about, like, you know, Wanda's doing this. And she says something like, you can't even think about leaving. If that's the case, she then won't let you. She won't let you. If that's the case, then why, why was that an idea that Agnes would have had? I don't know. It, to step back, it feels contradictory on so many levels for me because using Norm's veil being lifting as an example, because I think this is the only other, other example that we have, when Norm came out of it, he was in complete distress. He was in physical pain. He said it hurts, and he had no concept of anything that was going on. Right. When Agnes gets snapped out of the veil, she's immediately playing up to Vision's ego of like, you're an Avenger, you can help us, you can save us, and is immediately blaming Wanda, where every Norm was confused beforehand. So there's this level of, I'm going to be completely honest, I feel like it was a fake trance. I don't think Agnes was in a trance. I think she was there waiting to be spotted. And, you know, because again... It's hard because there's not enough examples to go on, but if we use everybody else that was on pause, like you said, none of them were saying anything. They were either caught in their loop or they were standing completely still. Agnes was muttering to herself and was able to respond. Right. And yeah, so there's a good catch. It's a clear difference. And here's my last one. And I know this one is it's really swinging for the fences. It could be that just for whatever reason, the color grading of this episode was different because it is a nighttime shot versus being in the office. When Norm was veil was lifted, it was bright yellow. When Vision tried to do it to Agnes, it was white. And there was this electrical buzzing sound like I read as nothing changed. Hmm. And so. Okay, wait. Are you saying when, when he touched, when Vision touched Norm, yep. you pointed out the, the, the yellow to signify Vision done something? Well, signifying the veil being lifted, because I also noted that there was that yellow codifier when Wanda pulls out the uh, the pacifiers out of Vision's ear. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to have to go back and see that again, only because yeah. like when, when Vision touched Agnes's head, I didn't catch that it was white. I caught that it was yellow. It, was a, it wasn't as bright of a yellow as the one on Norm. I read it as white. I could say maybe I'm, I'm kind of giving room for some... some um, What's the word I'm looking but like for? There, but like, okay, so, but you're saying there was a clear distinction you're saying. Yeah. The, the benefit of the doubt being it could be the color grading, but to me, it read differently. And that lean, lends into this idea of Agnes faking the trance because it was just, it was different to me. It felt off. And it could be, maybe I'm, maybe I'm pulling a Hayward and I'm bringing my own biases against Agnes here. I haven't trusted mm -hmm. her from the first episode. I don't trust this instant because... It's just too different to, than the other established examples of this moment so far. No, I think you make a good point. Like, I just read it as the same thing. Mm -hmm. You pulled Norm out of the trance. You pulled Agnes out of the trance. But you're right. Like, the, you had the one guy at the front door that kept picking up and putting down the pumpkin. You had the one lady who was, like, trying to hang up the ghost but couldn't. Mm -hmm. And you had the single tear. You had the other children. At the cul-de-sac, just in a standstill, and Agnes was able to speak, even though it was distant. Mm -hmm. 
answer questions, even though it was distant. Mm-hmm. And she didn't, like you said, seem like when Norm came out of it, it was like he didn't know where he was at. Mm-hmm. Disoriented. And Agnes didn't feel that. Or, well, the way it was played, Agnes didn't have that kind of disorientation. Right. She didn't it was display immediate that at all. recognition of vision. Mm-hmm. It was immediate. It, well, like you said, he, he calling out, you're an Avenger. And he doesn't remember being an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Which to play off that, that'll wrap up my final point in this moment is I think that is proof right there that he is alive in some sense. This is the real vision. But because mm-hmm. he doesn't have memories of being an Avenger or any of that, I, I'm reading that as kind of, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, back in Infinity War, when Shuri was doing what she was doing, trying to separate the different matrix, matrixes that make him up. Right. There's some speculation that maybe there is some backup save of him from that moment. But because what made him is gone in the moment that he dies at Thanos's hand is maybe not been replaced yet. That's why he doesn't have that backup to go on and know who he is, but this is him. Mm-hmm. That's my read. Um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. sad to, to, to not have those memories. Yeah. Huh. That can be a whole podcast episode in itself. Wait, what? Well, just the idea of when you say it is him just without those memories and, you know, he, he said the previous episode, I'm scared, you know, who am I? Uh-huh. Can he actually be him without those memories? Like, is that even possible? It's hard. You know. Or, yeah, you're right. This could be a podcast. Right. Or, or, we, or we claim he has free will and he does and he has this curiosity, but it's, but it's clearly limited if all he has is... From the moment he was resurrected, let's say, on. Right. You know, so it's a very clearly limited. Um, so like, so the, the line in Age of Ultron, you know, I was born yesterday. He, he's uh-huh. experienced that twice. Yeah. He seems to be uh, running a theme of having experiencing <laughs> life and death twice. And potentially three <laughs> yeah. times by the time this show's over. <sighs> but yeah. So I'm just going to be upfront about this. We know there's one more important scene coming up with Vision towards the end of the episode, but we're going to put a pin in that for now, because uh, even though that concludes his side mission, there are other things we need to get to first so that we can have all the points going into there. So we're going to move into our next talking point, which is going to be entitled Sibling Time, which encompasses basically the other bulk of the episode, which is Pietro and Wanda and the twins all interacting throughout. So starting off, one of the things that I really liked is, again, this show, which I don't even think we've said yet, is being in that 90s slash early 2000s, kind of a melding of the time, they're they're invoking that Malcolm in the Middle sort of feel. And so in that, we're getting like point of view shots of the kids talking directly to the camera. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that because it's a thing that feels so perfect in hindsight that I didn't even realize until we got it. Because it would have been so off-putting to get the viewpoints of Wanda and Vision, because I think that removes so much of the mystery. But because we don't know enough about the kids yet, it's two birds with one stone of getting a scene setting with them and learning their personalities. And I really love that. Well, and it also helps reinforce that splitting up of Wanda and Vision to see it through their eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Did you watch Malcolm in the Middle? No. <laughs> I feel like you okay. knew before you asked. <laughs> uh, well, I'm 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 asking because like, uh, Malcolm in the Middle is not a show that I watched. Like I, I saw episodes here and there. Uh huh. Um, but it didn't grab me in the way of, oh, I'm gonna just watch this and this is a must watch for me. Right. That for me, Malcolm in the Middle is one of those shows that I have picked up through osmosis just because for whatever reason, it was almost like a nostalgic show for the collective hive mind of the internet. So I've seen it memed so many times or seen so many gifs or references to it. So I, I got the general gist of it, but I never actually sat down and watched the show. Yeah. And you mentioned the cleverness and to speak to that cleverness, one of the things like I said, I didn't watch a lot of Malcolm in the Middle. I have an idea what it is. Brian uh, Cranston plays the dad. Mm-hmm. And you get a picture of life, if I remember right, as more crazy than perfect uh-huh. in the sitcom. And it's interesting because you have that moment where we already talked a little bit about it. Vision goes off on the recon. Pietro jumps in to be the male role model. Uh-huh. Right? He's like... I have an XY chromosome. I can do this kind of thing. And Envision's like, yeah, sure. But I just find it interesting because for me, and this is my own theory, is like there's this implication that, first off, that like any male can fill in as the role model, you know, and it's kind of interesting. You're like, de-emphasizes dad, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I feel like in television, we see a shift throughout the decades of this you know leave it to beaver perfect family then you get into the brady bunch that it's a blended family and that they're both divorced but they are married you know mm-hmm. um and so you get like steps away from that ideal nuclear family and then when you get into the 90s you get even further away from that the the family life gets more complicated in terms of dynamics and i really appreciated their use of malcolm in the middle as a show that was kind of known for that mm-hmm. to kind of really emphasize that shift in family dynamics uh cuz it's going you know as we my read of the this show it goes completely against what wanda has been trying to create from the beginning mhm and, you know, I think that's very, uh, a very good insight to bring in because the, the theme songs have been very on point throughout every episode so far. But there was something about this one that specifically felt more so like even the lyrics of the song were talking about like, hey, is this real or is it not? Let's just enjoy it before it slips away or something like that. Like it kept invoking those feelings of like just holding on to something that's coming apart. And I think that plays into what you were saying about the changing family dynamics and how you get away from that idea of the nuclear family. And it's even in the theme song itself where we see Pietro is in the theme song. We see Agnes right. is in the theme song. And it's not that she hasn't been in it before, but I don't think she's been in it in a way that she's credited as like part of the family. And this time she is. Um, yeah. So I like that that invoking of that feeling of like, you know, this isn't a perfect family, but we're making it work. Yeah. These lyrics grabbed me more than any other theme song. Yeah. And first, go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to emphasize. It's not that they haven't been relevant before, but this, this week's much more so. 
I feel like I'm gonna throw fuel on the fire. <laughs> I feel like you can read these lyrics and get a little bit more evidence to your orchestrator theory. Well, uh-huh. I don't agree with your orchestrator theory. <laughs> well, cause, I don't cause, even like, know if I'm, I agree with my orchestrator theory anymore. <laughs> well, okay, so like I'm gonna read the lyrics to you real quick, and and like I could almost imagine it like if there was an orchestrator, they're saying this to Wanda, right? Uh-huh. Don't try to fight the chaos. Don't mm-hmm. question what you've done. The game can try to play us. Don't let it stop the fun. Some days it's all confusion. Easy come, easy go. But if it's all an illusion, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's keep it going, like the plural, right? The yeah. Let's keep it going through each distorted day. Let's keep it going. Though there may be no way of knowing who's coming to play or who's coming by to play. And that's where Pietro shows up. Mm-hmm. But that is this little subtle of like, hey, there, you, there's something you don't know or someone you don't know yet. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm not convinced actually of your orchestrator theory, but I could read those lyrics in, in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then again, the whole idea of, you know, just keep it going, just keep it going. Each day there's this distortion, uh, don't question. And it's playful, a lot of playful language, right? Yeah. Let, you know, don't let it stop the fun. Um, it's recognition of it's not something you should be doing. Don't fight the chaos. Yeah. So it's, it, this one really, like you said, all the, the, the songs have had some meaning to them, but this one really just jumped off to me. You know, you mentioned that it sounds playful and I get that vibe, but there's something about the playful that the playful feel that feels so disconnected that it becomes disturbing in a way. Um, yeah. The playful, the playful sound disconnected from the weight of the song meaning and that's where it just starts to get like uncomfortable yeah so you know we we talked about how there's this feeling of pietro coming in uh the the theme song mentions it uh you mentioned it and that feeling of like you know hey i've got the xy chromosome i can fill in for this there's this feeling that pietro has meta knowledge of what's needed in the show so yes for example He's like, hey, you know, big guy's got conflict. You know, I can I can fill in for him here. Later on in the episode, we see that he even openly admits to Wanda, you know, I'm just doing my part. I came in here to cause some tension between the brother-in-law, uh, cause some havoc for you and the Rugrats, and just be a pain in the butt. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting to me that that Pietro has this meta-knowledge of what's needed. and it feels like he leverages that versus trying to get close to Wanda. There's many instances of where he's like coming in and like, Hey, I'm your big brother. You can trust me. I'm not, I'm not a stranger. I'm not your husband. Open up to me. How did you do this? And mm-hmm. so it's well, he's trying to earn trust. Yeah. And well, okay. So for me, the way I read that, that mm-hmm. whole meta knowledge of what's going on, that's what you wanted, isn't it? Like the, like recounting the trope, um, all of that stuff. There's the line where I know I look different. And she's like, why do you look different? You know? Uh, and this was actually right when Wanda was trying to test him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember back when we were kids? And he's like, are you testing me? He's mm-hmm. like, look, I know, I know I look different. And she's like, why do you look different? Well, right there, my thought was, this kind of leads me to believe it's not 
the X-Men universe Pietro. Yeah. It's just super clever on the creator's part, Jack's part. Mm-hmm. To say, they're, they're lever- to, yeah, to, they're leveraging our knowledge to, to throw us off. I hope that's not the case. Cause like I'm X-Men bring them, but <laughs> you know, for that reason, but at the same time, you're right. Having that meta knowledge of how a TV show works, this is what you wanted. He himself acknowledging I look different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I found with the line, if I found Shangri-La, I wouldn't want to be reminded of the past. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of those types of lines, you know, it's like, so is this not the Pietro from the X-Men? Right. I'm in the camp that it's not. I do not doubt we will see merging of universes. I think Pietro is not an example of that happening yet. Mm-hmm. I illustrated it last week with the whole we are bringing our own weight of different universe knowledge to that. Nobody in the show has an idea of that that we've seen so far. So I think it is just a play on our expectations. Yeah. Yeah, because she asked, where's your accent? And he turns it right back around on her. Where's yours? Because mm-hmm. uh, he didn't, in the X-Men movies, he didn't have an accent. Mm-hmm. And he went by Peter. Yeah. Yeah. So something I, something I want to bring up, because you recently, like yesterday, watched Days of Future Past. Uh-huh. And you texted me and thought that, that, that it was interesting how the shows Disney Plus include of X-Men just so happened to include the ones with this Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like as if Disney wanted, and I get it, I'm stretching here, mm-hmm. but, but it's like, it's important Di- to stay limber, but like Disney wanted us to be familiar on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the same vein of how in the previously on WandaVision, they gave us the, uh, Pietro being shot in Ultron. It's it's conditioning mm-hmm. the audience to be prepared for something, even if you don't know exactly what's being prepared for. And so I wonder how much of that, oh, seemingly this Quicksilver from the X-Men universe is in this universe now. Oh, hey, look, they're also on Disney+. Plus. I can catch up. Right. Yeah. I, well, you know I, what? <laughs> I love the line. I got shot like a chump on the street for no reason at all. <laughs> I know. You know and and, just just yeah. given the amount of discourse I've seen online of people like, he's Quicksilver. How come he couldn't outrun the bullets? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. And this Quicksilver could have. <laughs> <sighs> now, having said that, I brought up that line, his next line. And, and, and the next thing I know, I heard you calling me. So it gives that sense of like, if this is, if, let's just say for a second, it is the same Quicksilver we know and it's recast out of trauma, you know, the way you, in TV shows, recast characters all the time or go back to your orchestrator thing. Let's say, you know, we're, we're playing with that. It, it just kind of lends credence to like, no, this isn't necessarily, although I'm hoping it is the the Pietro from the X-Men. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's clearly like, hey, I got shot for no reason at all. Next thing you know, I heard you calling. So it's almost like instantaneous. Right. So one more thing on talking about this 
meta knowledge that Pietro seems to possess of everything that's going on. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So, and this isn't on a pause. I yeah. just get this text from my brother. Uh-huh. LOL. I can't wait to hear Trey try to, <laughs> try to say he still doesn't think Juan is doing this. <laughs> I'm right about to transition into that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, listen. Nothing is real. It's a simulation. I know. I know. Listen, a wise woman once said, when the world is telling you to move, it is your job to plant yourself like a tree and tell them, no, you move. So that's what I'm doing here with Wanda. And I'm going to die on this hill. And I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So that's, that's so funny. I was really, I, I'm, again, being honest. I know I have a very limited ground to stand on, but I'm slowly planting my seed on how this is, this is where I'm at. So again, on the topic of Pietro having a meta knowledge, and I guess apparently my cousin and your brother, um, on the topic of him having meta knowledge, he continuously uses it to put the onus back on Wanda. Oh, I'm impressed you were able to do it. How did you do it? Oh, this is what Mm -hmm. you wanted, right? You Mm -hmm. can do this. Agnes does the same thing. She keeps putting the onus on Wanda doing this at the doubt of Vision, at the doubt of Wanda. And Wanda's even to the point where she's like, I don't know how I did this. I don't know how this is happening. All I remember is being alone. And so there is this feeling that they're being gaslit. They're being split apart. And it's interesting to me that both Pietro and Agnes have this meta knowledge, this agency to be able to use that against them. And it mm-hmm. even happens to take a little side trip here, uh, again, still in this section with the siblings, where Wanda confronts Herb, and this is how she found out that Vision lied to her. Herb, his dialogue is very interesting in that he's like, oh, you know, Vision's not on Neighborhood Watch today. Why? Is there something I can change? It's, it's this feeling of everybody's bowing at the feet of Wanda. Right. Yeah. It's just, I, I, that's where I'm at. I feel, I don't have the answers. There's not a lot for me to lean on, but I can't shake this feeling that everybody is pointing towards Wanda. So I can't, yeah. I can't go on that limb yet. Well, and Pietro, I would argue, tries to reassure. Mm-hmm. He, he uses bringing up their parents as an in, you know, to, to have a deeper conversation. And then they start, he starts talking about, you know, the line, you've handled the ethical considerations of the scenario as best you could, mm-hmm. you know? So there's this recognition of like, you realize you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, but the lesser of two evil kind of, kind of things. And he mentions people got better jobs. They owe for the most part, kept their personalities, better haircuts, you know? And then right there, then Wanda admits that she's not sure how she did it. But she mm-hmm. did it, you know. Yeah, and we get the you know second dead corpse scene, dead right? Pietro and Wanda sees it, looks away, and comes back. And and I don't know. Part of me is like, I feel like the way it was played. One time I watch it because you know by the time we recorded, I hadn't seen this three times. Mm-hmm. So one time I watch it, I read it like she sees him dead and with the bullet holes looks away, comes back, and he's like, what? And then another time I watch it, I almost got the sense of, like, he knew what she saw. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was almost like egging her on. Yeah. 
and I, and I saw it both ways in the, in the in the watches. So I'm not sure which one is the more accurate read. So I'm going to read the first note I wrote, and then I'll I'll kind of paraphrase the next thing into the point I want to make. But the first thing I put in the read that I got is who is scaring Wanda? Why why did they use Vision's corpse to scare her? Why did they use Pietro's corpse to scare her? Because I don't like just I mean this just to be quote unquote realistic in a show about superheroes. If I could go out on that limb of whenever she saw Vision's corpse, maybe that was a moment we saw the magic veil lifted and there's this corpse that's being puppeted around. I don't believe that. And I feel like seeing Pietro here uh, and as a corpse gives me something to stand on because even if this Pietro was the Aaron Taylor Johnson Pietro, that corpse has long decomposed. So there, there is no reanimated puppeted corpse that's floating around. Something or someone, some orchestrator is purposely scaring Wanda. That's, that's my read on that scene. Yeah. So you're back all in on the orchestrator. Yeah, I'm there. If, if, if we weren't emphasized so many scenes of people, of people of agency trying to put the blame on Wanda and people who are out of a trance, like norm being vague about who it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't come off this limb yet. I know I'm slipping and I'm probably aggravating some people, but yeah. I'm just not there. Well, yet. And, and I understand it. Cause like I have a note in here where Pietro yells, unleash hell demon spawn. Mm-hmm. Right. And once he said that to the kids, my little note, you know, and little, I mean, outline enter indent <laughs> tab. It's like my claim that Mephisto is not involved is going away. Yeah. You know, um, and so I'm like you, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to, to let go of that grasp where Mephisto's not involved because it just feels too in your face Mm -hmm. and it just feels too obvious. Mm -hmm. But if I'm wrong on that, then yeah, that's the orchestrator Mm -hmm. and you're right. Um, and when, and, and again, when I say orchestrator, in that context, I'm thinking, you know, whoever it is that is, you know, I feel like Wanda's doing it, mm-hmm. but whoever has kind of planted that seed or suggested to Wanda, you know, you could have a better life, you know, mm-hmm. why don't you make yourself a better life kind of thing. Right. So one last thought on the sibling time before we move on. At the very beginning of the episode, when Wanda comes down, comic book accurate costume, they reminisce about an old Halloween when they were younger. Right. And Wanda says, that's not exactly how I remember it. And Pietro says, you probably mm-hmm. suppressed a lot of the trauma. Um, and that just feels, I mean, a, when you're creating a show, all of it's calculated, mm-hmm. but this is calculated. I feel like from a Pietro standpoint, adding to the fact that he has some knowledge. Yeah. Beyond, you know, just being there, um, mm-hmm. you know, and my, and then that's like in the very, very beginning and my next bullet point after that, not sure this is the X-Men Pietro, you know, cause it's, it's like, it's like kind of reinforcing the trauma and wanting her to dig deeper into it, mm-hmm. you know, is, is part of how I, how I read that. Yeah. 
It's also got that feel of this is what you do, right? This is how this is how everything works. You suppress the trauma. And so it's that meta knowledge, too, as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you mentioned the comic accurate costumes. I feel like you get vindication here because you totally called Quicksilver being costume accurate, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, even the Wiccan, you know, Wiccan's costume was pretty comic book accurate. Uh, it was close. I don't think it would. I don't know if I want to use the word comic book accurate, but it was really close. Uh, mm-hmm. Speed was not in color scheme, but like he was dressed up like his, you know, his older uncle. Yeah. yeah so it, and it fit. They're going to break our hearts with that, I think, because it's I clear know. how much it's clear how much Tommy's looking up to him and adopting his look. He has the same power. And even even in that moment where he tries to where where Pietro tries to shift the blame onto, I believe he says Billy. He's like, oh, this is Billy ideas. And he goes, I'm Tommy. And he goes, don't you forget it. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't like, he doesn't care about them as much as Tommy cares about Pietro. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yep. Man, they have a lot of stuff. Three episodes left. I know. I'm we, as much as we talked about pacing, I am getting a little bit worried because there is a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the, the sibling section. Again, just like with Vision's mission, we do have more to tackle, but it's going to be wrapped up at the end with the final important topic. So for now, uh, we're going to be moving into a topic called Rogue Trio versus Sword, which the Rogue Trio being uh, Monica, Dr. Lewis, and Agent Wu. And so just to kind of set the scene for this overall, we have a confrontation in the Sword headquarter base, the, the tents, that uh, Darcy has the line. It's like, hey, is it the guy who almost got killed by all his men? Which <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love Dr. Lewis. Uh, well, I loved his, the response of like, which one's the, the sassy best friend? <laughs> but like Dr. Lewis wasn't phased by it at all. Uh-huh. Like it, like it, it just had, you know, I mean, she made a face, but it wasn't a face like, like she was upset by it. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, Wu jumps in to defend Monica and Dr. Lewis there. Yeah, it's almost like a reverse framing of last week where they had that that scene where Wu was like, I don't like to speak ill of the people. And and Dr. Lewis goes, don't worry, I will. Hayward mm-hmm. is, and it cuts to him saying terrorist. And so I like the way they're kind of playing on this in the opposite where it's like, which one of you is the sassy best friend? Kind of a, a pejorative sense. And mm-hmm. it's Wu that comes in. And it's funny that he kind of falls on to that jab. Uh, but of course, it's he's unfazed as well because he's unflappable. Well, I I do find it interesting. I feel like we get. I apologize that I'm turn that I'm going to be a Hayward apologist for a brief moment. <laughs> but I feel like we get a lot, or we learn a lot about Hayward here. Yeah, because we get his grief. Mm-hmm. Not exactly what it is, but it's clear from what he said. He wasn't blipped, and he blames people with superpowers what happened i don't know i kind of got hints at possible relationship between him and maria Mm -hmm. just just that whole you weren't here you don't know what it was like he brings Mm -hmm. up his her mom again maria rambo like he he's he is just as much as wanda doing this and grief driven yeah is 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 there and so I, i do feel like we get a lot more insight into into hayward here Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wrote the line down, uh, so I, I can quote it here because I loved it. Uh, so, quote, 
constantly advocating on behalf of superpowered individuals. Yes, I know your history with Carol Danvers and all, all you people who left. You still have the luxury of optimism. You have no idea what it was like. And the reason that I love this line a lot is because it implies this deep-seated grudge towards superheroes for what happened with Thanos and the snap. And mm -hmm. I, well, two things. I've always advocated for, I want uh, a Disney Plus series or something to focus in that five-year gap because it seems so interesting to me. But yeah. I think they did the smart move where they're slowly doling out this feeling of like what happened and we're seeing glimpses of it in future projects. And I think that's a, a great way to do it because it's, it continues to be this looming thing over the universe because of course it would be. It was a huge moment for everybody. And so right. the momentum of that would be felt moving forward. And so on the second reason of why I like this is we're kind of already seeing rumblings of anti-superhero ideology based mm -hmm. on what's happening in Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, and Zemo coming back. And so it's really interesting to me that we're starting to see hatred of it here through director Hayward. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. Again, in the Discord, we were just having the conversation from user Not Teddy, where he was saying, I really hope that Hayward doesn't secretly turn out to be uh, Hydra because it just I don't want that. And Leech, that prompted Leech to have the idea, what if Hayward has that prejudice towards superheroes, which would lead in to some of the underlying ideology they explore with the X-Men. So mm -hmm. even though Pietro might not be an indication of the X-Men universes, I think we are seeing the seeds being planted for that otherism that the X-Men so frequently explore. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And I was going to save this for the stray thoughts for later, but one of the movies uh -huh. mentioned on the marquee is the Incredibles. Yeah. You know, this whole, you know, movie based on heroes and this retirement is the world no longer wants the heroes. Mm -hmm. At least the first Incredibles, not the far distant second one. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's been a while when they lead us the movie with an apology of, hey, it took us so long. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Incredibles too, yeah, and and essentially, as I understand it, right, like the Incredibles is, you know, the Disney version of Watchmen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I and again, that's I don't think that's a curtains blue kind of thing. I think that's, I think you have a, the right read on Hayward there. Yeah, uh, it's a very sympathetic look. I think for as much, you know, it's funny because you mentioned there was maybe an implied relationship with Maria Rambeau. I took it in so far the other direction. Uh, just to quote my note, Hayward is a expletive for throwing Monica's mom against her. Like that was such a low blow. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's amazing they were able to make me sympathize with him a little bit of being like, hey, you don't know what it was like. And then to watch him go for that low blow is like, okay, I'm back to hating Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, unless it's Wanda, I'm very, I very changed with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I started out liking Hayward, then I don't like him, like him a little bit, and now I'm back to not liking him. No, it's okay. It's all right. Um, now, on the along the lines, so we're talking about Hayward, and we've already kind of talked about this a little bit. It's not clear to me how Hayward's seeing it. Like, it's easy just to say, oh, he's vindication, visions, data. But to be able to see all the people of the side that aren't moving while Vision's not there yet, mm -hmm. they had a clear overview of Westview. Yeah. 
So I do think they're tracking vision somehow, but I, I think there's more to it Mm -hmm. and what Hayward's, uh, what capabilities he has. Right. You know, for me, the read that I got is that him not sharing with the group, to quote Dr. Lewis, that he was able to see into the hex is clearly covering something up with vision to the point that recovering vision is more important than the well-being of the citizens because he can also track that too, but everything seems so beelined in on recovering vision. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough to go on it yet, but it really feels like this might be more vision-centric than we're thinking. And Mm -hmm. I know that's hard to describe because so far this has all been, is this for Wanda to bring vision back? But I don't, I, I, I don't know. I get this read that there's more to it and I'm anxious to see what comes from it. Yeah, me too. Now this is, uh, this section that we're talking about here also gives me one of my most favorite notes. Uh-huh. was, whoa, woo. <laughs> like, I don't think we've seen him be that aggressive before. No. You know, like he, he stepped up. And what I like about it, it's done in a way that Wu's not surprised. He knows he could do that. He was very capable. And yeah. so that's, it's, it's a great juxtaposition of how, oh, I don't like to speak ill of people to, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Now, again, I, I got to circle back to Hayward, though. Now, say your thing, and I'll circle back to Hayward. Okay, because mine's in the moment. I do love this almost um, kind of acknowledgement of the scene where Monica and Agent Wu do that and take them down. And then Dr. Lewis is like, whoa, 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 how did I know we were on the same page here? <laughs> it was so funny that she was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. So the, the circling back that I wanted to hear is Wu had a line overstepping his provisional authority. Mm-hmm. Like up to this point, I didn't know Hayward's authority was provisional, right? Like. Like, I, I realized the first time we met him, you know, there was the, the, the line of, like, I got this because you weren't here. It should have been your job to Monica. Right. Right. Well, because he but, has the, the title acting director. Yeah. I, it just, I just never thought of it as provisional. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess so. Just the acting director. But I just never thought, because to me, if that's an FBI case, and then sword comes in, you know, and I guess he has authority. I don't know. It it just, it was interesting to me. And that stood out the idea of mm-hmm. provisional authority, you know, and maybe that's all it is acting director. Yeah. Uh, but I, that, that I found really, I don't know, again, that intentional. Mm-hmm. So another half of this trio versus sword, uh, clearly we see Monica, Agent Wu, and Dr. Lewis uh, infiltrate back into the base after they get their disguises from the other guards, and they use that cover to be able to look in, find out all the information that we just talked about. But one of the things they also figured out was Hayward had Monica's result, and Mm -hmm. Dr. Lewis is able to clearly demonstrate, like, you don't need to go back in there. This is physically changing you. and. I bring this up, one, because we didn't spend a lot of time with it last week. Uh, clearly, there's something going on with Monica. Um, you know, they said that the test results are blank. Uh, clearly, that was a lie. I don't have too much to go on it yet because it, we don't know enough. They haven't given us enough. But I did want to remark on, it's interesting to me, and I think this goes to a point, I believe this is on Tara's podcast, that somebody brought up the idea of 
Monica acting in this idea of having nothing left to lose. Mm -hmm. She just came back from losing five years of her life. She just found out she lost her mom. It, her saying, I don't care. I'm still going to go into the hex. It it feels like a suicidal mission to me. And it was interesting that that was enough. Like just her saying like, oh, I've had enough of uh, reading medical reports. I'm, I'm going in there. That felt like such a thin defense for no one else to step up to that i was i I don't know it felt odd to me something to keep a pin on at least as i keep watching the rest of the episode yeah no i I had that same feeling it felt reckless was the the word that i had um but you even mentioned why would she go up and touch it you know the the anomaly the boundary you know especially after the drone disappeared i don't know it just it's just a lot of her actions in some ways feels reckless. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, the um, having nothing to lose is a, is a good way to put it or feeling mm-hmm. like you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly the guest or if that was Tara that said it, but uh, credit to their podcast of, mm-hmm. of pick, picking that up. Mm-hmm. Now, to go against the orchestrator theory, she has a line, worst case scenario, Wanda removes my free will. Mm-hmm. And we know she's been in and out. Yeah. Yeah. And that. Go ahead. That blows up my working idea against everyone, but Agnes was able to place the onus on Wanda. Monica clearly is able to say, hey, it's Wanda. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, that, I'm not sitting, my, my defense isn't perfect. There are some, some things left to fit into place. So, we are one step closer to knowing. Who Monica sent her text to. Mm-hmm. God, there's part of me that wants to say it's Smart Hulk. <gasps> I didn't even think about that possibility. Yeah. That was that was in this note. My first thought was was Talos. You know, uh, I've seen in other places his daughter, possibly. I've seen in other places uh Riri Williams, you know, uh-huh. Ironheart. And we know that show's coming. Um, a big popular one is Reed Richards. Right. But we know Hulk's coming back for She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. So. And, I mean, they've made clear concerns about, like, radiation levels. Mm-hmm. They've mentioned multiple times how Banner Hulk has extensive experience with radiation. So I can yeah. see that maybe being a thing. Yeah. So, but at the, my, <laughs> the biggest detractor from that is the reputation mm-hmm. of spoilers for coming from Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I feel like we would have known. <laughs> yeah, him and Holland. They uh hard to keep their mouth sealed. I think that's wrapping up our our trio versus sword section, which is going to leave us to our testing the boundaries. Clearly this is when Vision is discovering the edge of the hex and getting into the real world. I uh, I forgot something. Um, They won't know this because it's probably cut out, but I mentioned that I lost my train of thought when we were in the sibling section. I just remembered it, and I'm going to say it here because I think it fits. Again, going into I know I'm standing on a crumbling pile of sand, you had mentioned Wanda specifically tells the kids, don't go past Ellis Avenue. Thinnest straw I'm grasping at here. Wanda goes to say, remember, don't. And the kids fill in the go past Ellis Avenue. So it's much in that, that same line of 
they're being vague, like Norm was being vague by just saying she and her pronouns. It wasn't a direct order from Wanda. So right. that's all I can say there. Which that, that leads us into the testing of the boundaries, which we find out the boundary is the edge of the hex at Ellis Avenue, which is where we find Vision crossing over to the other side. That's interesting because I read that as they had heard that so many times mm-hmm. that they were able just to complete the sentence. I didn't take it that way. It, 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 I, I will like benefit not benefit of the doubt, like under, like I'm going, I understand, like that's probably how it's supposed to be read, that it is, it's so rehearsed that they know. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's interesting what they do and don't play in terms of being vague. Right. They, they it gets cut off, but that also leads into, which is another rabbit hole, we're already running long, so I'm not going to go to it, but it, what role the twins play in all of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, coming back to this testing of the boundaries, man, it's. It was very hard to see Vision, like, struggling with all his might to exit the reality, slowly dematerialize, and even on top of that, his only concern is that there are real people in there and that they need help. Yeah. Even if he, even if he can't remember he's an Avenger, that, like, oh, man, that's heroic. Well, one of the things I found interesting is he's struggling. Hayward says, you know, he really wants out. Right. And he's being sucked back in, and I and I took him being torn apart, his resistance, uh huh, to wanting to be sucked back in. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, like that's how I read it at first, but then when he laid down, like at that point he's not resisting anymore. And at the, you would think like his entire body would be sucked back in, but it was still being ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And then it did remind me a little bit of. You know, the whole idea of, like, black holes and getting sucked into a black hole and the gravity being... I am not a physics major. (laughs) I'm just remembering... Monica didn't text you? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a physics major. I'm just remembering things that I've read and learned. Uh Uh-huh. The science, I'm about to say, is probably wrong Mm -hmm. and probably has developed way beyond me. But but this is what I... It came to mind... Was again that whole idea of black holes and the gravity being so strong that it like stretches you and pulls you apart, you know, even down to the atoms. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's just the feeling I got of like he's fighting against this just strong gravitational tug that's just he cannot escape. Yeah. I read it as vision cannot exist outside of Westview. Uh, I know okay. that's probably been the leading feeling that we've had um pretty easy to kind of speculate on i think this is confirmation of it he cannot exist outside of it mm-hmm. yeah so um, in this with this wiccan um learns about his powers yep uh i know we haven't used that name yet but i'm gonna go ahead and use it uh-huh. um you know which is similar to wanda's mm-hmm we get this line, which is interesting, from Pietro, where he said, it's not like your dead husband can die twice. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, well, he already has. Time stone. <laughs> but it, it just, you had so many tender moments where he's, like, massaging Wanda's ego with the ethical stuff. Hey, you can trust me. That it seemed like a really interesting jab right here. Yeah. Needlessly antagonistic. Right. Like that—that that is something that I, I just found 
I'm not sure. It just seemed out of character for what we saw just the previous scene with them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And as much as we've seen new Pietro knows enough to know his role as Wanda's brother, that he died and so on, and that they have history in Sokovia. He's not able to fill in the details, which is why Wanda questions and tests him and say, hey, I remember that differently. Pietro would have been dead by the time Vision died. Mm-hmm. So is this just a, a, a innocent lapse that he didn't know and pays the price for it? Or is that an antagonistic jab? So I don't know. It's, well, it's, it's, it could be. <laughs> he pulled a Wesley. <laughs> uh, you're really reaching back now <laughs> i am well i mean it's it's if he's revealing that hey i know more than i should right mm-hmm. then and that's a jab he's also probably alerted wanda to wait a minute this is something's not right yeah you know it's in other words when he she turns and blast him the initial read is okay you said something you shouldn't have angered her but it could also be the case hey wait you shouldn't know that you died here he died Mm. there and that was more less anger and more you're not who you say you are yeah that's a real good call because we haven't seen a reconciliation from that yet so That's a good call. I'm going to take the, the, the way that this joke is coming across is like it's making your point less. This is more of me saying I have one more tiny grain of sand in my defense that I'm going <laughs> to cling on to that. <laughs> but you're making a good point. But that's just relative of what I'm fighting against. It's one little grain of sand. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I think we're here in this section. You mentioned Billy uses his powers. He's able to sense something's wrong. Wanda tries to pinpoint it, but can't, so she expands the hex. Right. Again, this is where I'm stuck. I I really, I don't know if maybe this is coming across. There is this feeling of resignation that I'm having because I, I don't, like, I don't know anymore. But here's what I do know. She's able to control the hex. She's able to freeze everyone. And she's able to expand it past its limits for the sake of saving vision. Now, the only thing that I have to kind of bolster into this idea of it's not purely antagonistic is we've seen this idea of quarantining being thrown around in the last episode where Hayward and Monica were going back and forth of she's a terrorist. She did this. She did that. And Monica says she put up a quarantine so that this didn't spread to anybody else. And so. I guess what what I'm, I'm reading of this is. Even even though she has the ability to expand that hex, I don't think she makes that move unless she needed to protect Vision, which is what she did. And unfortunately, it does come at the potential sacrifice because we don't know how it changes them of the sword agents. So, well, that, I, I, <laughs> well, okay. So here's something I found funny. Well, uh, let me say sad then funny. Yeah. So there's an element of I've already mentioned. There's only three episodes left. Hmm. And they give us this, they, the show creators, give us this, aha, we finally got a breakthrough. Dr. Lewis finds Hayward's secret, but now that secret is gone. 
because Dr. Well, Lewis got sucked into the... What I mean by gone is like she's assume, assuming everything we've know, lost free will, she's been codified into Westview. Uh-huh. What we don't know is what she's been codified as, mm-hmm. whereas like the base itself and the agents turned into a sideshow, a carnival in class. Yeah, the clown you know, car. Which was so funny. Uh-huh. You know, that that's what they turned him into, but we don't see what Dr. Lewis changed into. Right. Uh, so I'm really interested to see what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. But it is one of those things where it's like, oh, finally we're going to know something, but it's gone. And, and so that was just kind of like, uh, okay. She emailed it to Agent Wu. So we don't know yet within this episode, she? but she did get the information out there. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check that. I missed that part. Yeah. So. And it, like you said, it is to say vision because that was one of my notes. Everyone gets codified, but vision. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, not just that, his body's back together. Right. I'm like now, I said, oh, go ahead. One last question on this. Will he remember? That'll be a good test of. Maybe that's a good test of what Wanda's power is doing. Is. Mm-hmm. Is she protecting by quarantining or is she controlling the agency? of the residents of Westview. Right. But I'm really curious. Will Vision remember everything he did from this episode? Yeah. Or was that like a reset for Vision? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Look, I, what I was going to say is I know at this point I'm holding out hope versus having a theory. For every instance where I feel like my theory's been shot. There's still just enough for me to cling on to, like what I've talked about of the uh, the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm can I be? I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to open up. This isn't just because of like my own theories, but like I've mentioned before, how I get really emotional in uh, like media, like in movies and TV shows. Yeah. Like even if the moment isn't sad, like if it's just good enough, I start crying. Right. I was crying a little bit at the end of this because it's like it's like when you're watching a show. And you're rooting for this person to do the right thing. And you're starting to get past the point of realizing maybe they're not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it feels hopeless. That's what I felt at the end of this. And that ending shot of Wanda, um, you know, on her eyes. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's like she's, di- it, it's, it's almost like she's digging herself a deeper hole. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's really hard. Yeah. At this point, I can't call them, call them theories. I'm calling them hope. <laughs> <laughs> this I, I'll be honest. This might be my favorite episode so far. It's really good. I think this might be my favorite episode. So we're running a little long. Um, I we could just briefly touch on the commercial real quick and move into straight thoughts and kind of put this thing into gear. The last, like the last thing with the commercial, I had a hard time reading this compared to the other commercials. Um, I got halfway started by some threads on Reddit where they were mentioning how the um, it's supposed to represent vision uh, because he breaks the seal, you know, he dies, but that didn't fit right because in the commercial, the kid couldn't break the seal of yo magic, which is mm-hmm. the yogurt. Right. So that that's what was the starting off point for me. I think they're right. in saying that the child represented vision in that he's isolated. He's alone on this Island. He's starving in the commercial starving for identity. And out of nowhere, this cool shark comes and gives him yo magic. And he 
he's like, hey, you know, I was like you and now, you know, I'm surviving because I've had this. And he gives it to the kid and the kid can't open it and though he dies. So to me, mm-hmm. that's uh, the shark represents Pietro coming back to life, having Wanda's magic. Vision refusing the magic is, you know, doomed to die. So that was yeah. my read. Yeah. So I don't know if I have a read. Like in my notes, and this is just, I jotted, I typed out, jotted down. I'm actually typing the notes now. Uh, I typed the notes as I watched. And first off, man, this commercial, when I first, first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that went dark quick. But it's in a way that could, like kids' serial commercials get dark sometimes. Well, okay, so there's this whole episode on Teen Titans Go, uh-huh. which I'm not a huge fan of. I like the the other Teen Titans show, but whatever. Uh-huh. That it's so brilliant, though, because it makes fun of violence. Yeah. In that, have you? I don't know if you know the episode I'm talking about, but it's like, well, you can't be violent. But then they go through, it's like, but you can be violent if you do this, and they kind of do the Wile E. Coyote thing. Yeah, but you're allowed to be violent if you do this, and they kind of do like the Powerpuff Girl thing, or like like in various cartoon violence, and just kind of show the the how crazy it is of like violence is bad, but we're going to show it in these ways to make it seem okay, and that's and that's kind of part of it was just like, oh my gosh, this is super creepy, but you're right, it had that claymation kind of kids. And that's the other thing. It's a commercial for kids. Mm-hmm. Stylistically. Um, okay, so just here, what is this referring to? Was a question. So far, they've all been a theme about Wanda's past. Yep. Then I put, I get Yo Magic is a play on Gogurt. Uh, that, that squeezy yogurt. Like, I get that. You know, so it's for kids. Uh, I get that he's stuck on, and then I put, I get that he's stuck on an island, and all the magic in the world can't make the feeling of isolation go away. What is trying to help is a shark. Sharks are predators. And the tag at the end is that the Yo Magic is a snack for survivors. Mm-hmm. And part of me, I'm like, he, it's a kid, so I see the vision. But I clearly was still focusing on Wanda, because I'm I'm thinking of Wanda. I get that mm-hmm. he's stuck on an island, the kid, but I'm, I'm really thinking of Wanda. And all the magic in the world can't make the feeling of isolation go away. And she described, she didn't use the word despair, but that, I, that feeling about how did you do this? So I don't know. I'm, I'm really going to have to think about this commercial some more. Yeah. I think what's hard is we've been conditioned so much to be centered on Wanda's trauma. And this is the first one that doesn't seem to be at least clearly. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Wanda's a third party of this commercial. Yeah. Man. We already have the episode title for this one, but I honestly feel like I could have titled it the one where Trey's uh, theories got blown up. But uh, (laughs) I don't know, man. (sighs) That's going to, this is going to do it for the bulk of the episode, but we still got some stray thoughts left over. So are there any uh, thoughts you got hanging? Uh, Okay. So there was a cool reference to the movie Kick-Ass where Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson were both in Kick-Ass. Uh, mm-hmm. I admit I have not seen that. I just know. Oh, it. so good. I know. You know, as as more as a hard of a time as I give you for not seeing uh. some things, <laughs> there's enough stuff that I I shouldn't be talking. It's almost like it's all relative. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's it's not. But okay. Um, on the movie marquee, 
The Parent Trap, a movie about twins who were separated mm-hmm. but switch places when they find out when they find each other uh, to bring their parents back together. So that's it. You yeah. Know, the multiverse opened up. Evan Peters switched places with Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> and they're trying to bring the two, you know, they're trying to bring the two multiverses together. That's, that's what's going on. No, but yeah, so like that's there. I feel like the Incredibles, as I mentioned earlier, had something to to do and to give us some insight. Um, I feel like the parent trap as well is, has something to do there, but I, you know, just again, it's a stray thought. I, it's not really well formed Yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. My last stray thought, uh, actually, no, my last, my, I'm going to save this one. I have one more as I scroll through the notes. Uh, we didn't get in credits this time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, last time, Wanda rolled credits, and they got cut off. This time, we didn't see credits at all. And a second show in a row, unless I could be wrong, where we didn't have a signature song from the decade. Right. Now, my last closing thoughts. Okay, so we always ask for feedback, and any feedback. Uh-huh. And one of the reviews was on the Apple Podcasts. Uh, it was a good pod. Um, but we need to rename it to stretch <laughs> because we, we stretch a lot. Um, uh-huh. I appreciate the feedback. And, and so I kind of giggled because I'm taking notes and I thought Ellis Avenue and I thought president Ellis from Iron Man three, <laughs> is he still uh-huh. president? <laughs> would that, would the time be right? Is he in his second term? Maybe. Uh, and, and then I put next to it, that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost curious as to what the moment was that was like, these guys stretch a lot, but yeah. again, here I am with my little pebbles, uh, clinging to the Wanda <laughs> defense team. So I totally see it. And again, appreciate the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I'm not gonna lie. You texted that to me this morning. And that got, I was just cracking up. At work. That was so funny. <laughs> And I was just like, well, that was, it was like an hour and a half of stretching because that's <laughs> kind of what we did. Well, of, you know, to be and, fair, and again, I appreciate, I'm not making fun of the feedback. I appreciate the feedback, no, no, no. but it was just, it, it was, it was kind of like, well, cause it reminded me of something you said about not wanting the comic book knowledge because that would prevent you from speculating, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think what's hard is that um, you you seem like you're laxing up a little bit on it. I'm stubbornly against the idea of Mephisto's in this, and I know there are comic book knowledge theories that would like it's so obvious what they're doing. But because I'm like staying away from it, it feels like I'm jumping through obstacles to like figure out why it's not that. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, I got to let that go. But my uh, headstrong nature is sticking to me. Yeah, yeah. So, what about your stray thoughts? So I got one. Um, it's it, I don't have enough to play with, so I, I just wanted to stick it here. It's got to be important that whenever Wanda confronts Herb, he's getting intel about what's happening before it happens on screen. Now, I can see the reason being like, oh, because of Pietro's speed, him and the twins are causing havoc in another part of the neighborhood, and Herb is getting radio in on it. But the way that Herb is saying like, oh, you mean all the candy's gone? And now they're smashing the pumpkins? And now there's confetti everywhere? It was like he was directing the scene. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that sticks out to me is because I've been suspicious of Herb since episode three. 
Um, but other than that, I don't have much more to it other than to note it feels significant. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You bring up the idea of directing the scene uh, and you've already mentioned, you know, he asked, is there something you want me to change? Uh-huh. You know, and Wanda is like, no, no, don't be silly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one last uh, stray thought that just came to me. I know I said had one, uh, but this is real quick. You mentioned the significance of the mailman last week because he had that like, hey, your mom won't let them get far. Um, we, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but he was in the second episode where uh, Wanda goes back inside and he passes by Agnes and Agnes is like, stick him up. And she does pew pew and they have that weird exchange. Yeah. Um, there is clearly something going on with him. We don't know yet, but I think it's important to note I went back and watched the very first episode. He is the very first person we see outside of Wanda and Vision because Wanda and Vision are driving into their home mm-hmm. and they pass the mailman. Mm-hmm. Can't be an accident. So yeah. I'm, I'm in this camp of we need to pay attention to whatever's going on with him. All right. Three episodes left. Here we go. So with three episodes left, do you have any predictions uh, for next week? Hmm. Predictions for next week. Um, you know what I like first I'm going to say I like the way we're doing this at uh-huh. the end of each episode predicting for the next week uh-huh because I feel the freedom to not have to stick to my guns uh-huh in terms of like 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 I have my overarching thing that I'm clinging on to about Mephisto right yeah and and so it's and it's, and it's like that whole prediction at the beginning of the season this team's going to the championship you know and I gotta ride with it uh but I I like being able to adjust it each week uh, predictions like for the next... Steelers? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you had good reason at one point to believe they were going to go to the Super Bowl. I should release that bonus clip. <laughs> you had good reason to believe that they were going to make it all the way. Um, uh, you just, I'm you sorry, did. go ahead. <laughs> you did. So, okay. God, predictions for next week. I can go first if you need. No, I just, I'm trying to, to I, like, I want to say... We're finally going to get to see who was on the other end of that text. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that's going to happen, you know, as far as a prediction goes. The way Monica, the other thing is, I think we're going to get to see Dr. Lewis's interaction with Wanda. And, and I feel like we're going to have a similar moment as Monica did if that makes sense of, of kind of recognizing how do I want to put it? Bringing in that outside knowledge and breaking free. Okay. Yeah. Ultron killed Pietro, you you know, like I I feel like she's going to have some moment like that Mm -hmm. as well. Cause like she's been, I don't want to say just a side character, but she's had enough of importance of, of a supporting role that her going into the hex is going to have some play. Oh, yeah. Maybe she'll turn to Vision and be like, hey, didn't you lift Mew <laughs> You are worthy. <laughs> I, I'm surprised they haven't played on that, like had him hammering something or whatever. They did in episode one when he was tenderizing oh. the meat. Oh, I didn't take that as that, but okay. I don't know why I didn't take that as that. <laughs> So Trey's looking for a new co-host. Okay. <laughs> what, what are your predictions? Uh, my prediction is I think by next week, we will find out the stakes surrounding the kids. Uh, more specifically in a way that reveals how 
sad it is the way that Tommy is getting close to Pietro. I think for all the setup that they did in this episode for that, they're just given the limited amount of episodes left. I feel like we'll get a bigger picture of them through the lens of Tommy being hurt by Pietro. Okay. Um, and we're going to, we're going to see modern family as the, the sitcom. Oh, that'd be good. You know, well, and just because, you know, when we get past the, the, Oh, hold on. I got one more thought on the, and this is not just a prediction because, all right. So let me complete that thought. I mean, my scatterbrained self, I think, uh, one of the staples of like this two thousands television uh-huh. is that interview style. If you think the office, think parks and rec. We've already seen a little bit of it with this Malcolm in the Middle turn and breaking the fourth wall. So that's why I say Modern Family, because you see it mm-hmm. in so many sitcoms. And who was it? Was it you that I was texting with that basically asked the question of, if we are now in the 2000s and caught up, will they reference MCU knowledge? That was uh, MCU Rewind. That's I saw right. the Twitter interaction. Yeah. Okay, cool. Another great it, podcast, yeah. by the way. All right. Yeah, MCU Rewind on Twitter. That's where it was. But just saying, okay, if now that we're in the 2000s, Iron Man 2 came out, I mean, Iron Man 2, it came out in 2000s, but the Iron Man came out in 2008. Are we going to see references to those things as part of the world? Um, mm-hmm. so, so that I'm really curious, not as a prediction, I'm just curious to see if that's what they do. Because mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool if they did. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. If you'd like to reach us with any theories or stray thoughts that you might have on Season 1, Episode 6 of WandaVision, you can always reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Know. or if you'd like to write us an email, you can reach us at mcuneedtoknow at gmail.com. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we always say any feedback is good feedback for us to help us create better content, um, as we mentioned in this episode. Believe it or not, we've had conversations all day about, you know, our content and stretching and, and what does that mean about uh, the things we do? It does have an impact on us in terms of trying to produce something that's really good for, for everybody listening. And of yeah. course, the best thing you can do for us is to share with a friend. Most definitely. If you want to interact with more friends, you can always join our Discord, which is linked in the show notes. Uh, We've got it set up so there are clear sections to be able to talk about WandaVision in general, WandaVision spoilers. Uh, We just added a section for Falcon and the Winter Soldier or uh, just a place to talk about the podcast itself if you kind of want to, you know, throw out your thoughts of the reactions to the episode that we have made. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Come join us there. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work in the show notes linked in the description below. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We will see you all next week. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode, which if you have any stray thoughts or overall theories for what's going on in Season 1, Episode 6 of WandaVision, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at MCUNeedToDo. Why am I blanking on this? I'm finally messing the outro off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, let me start over. Oh, we have some intact somewhere. We'd be messing it up before. Okay. Have we used them? I don't know if we've Not used the... them, but I don't know if we've used them, but I know it's happened. 
I've never, I don't think I've messed it up in the beginning. I always mess up around Nick Sandy. Uh, okay. Well, I, no, I think the meta episode, I, I remember I kept it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Start it over. Good. Oh, well, I, maybe we got one now. Trey's hubris. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I, aside from that, I don't know what would be the intact. It feels like this might be it. Okay, cool. We have too, we have too much agency now. All right. Okay. Getting Solid back in. Simulation. Stop. You know that like that's your easy play. If we ever need <laughs> one, just play on my my insecurity. <laughs> okay, come on. It's long. We got to wrap this up. I'm sorry. Whew.